And that's the biggest difference between why people take action or inaction is, is that the difference between knowing how to do it and fully understanding and internalizing by having the experience doing it. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about their business in order to make them more profitable and productive. And this week, I want to disrupt the way agents feel about their business plan by us finishing the eight reasons and ways that agents fail to achieve their goals. Um, Last week, when we wrapped up the show, we talked about how um, environment is the invisible hand that shapes the outcome and the goals or um, really for everyone, but in this particular instance for real estate agents. And we talked a lot about how a physical environment is what shapes um, whether or not you achieve your goals. I want to talk about the mental environment, the place that we all live inside of our own heads and inside of our body, right? Our, our mental and our emotional and spiritual um, environment oftentimes really shape everything a lot more than we give them credit for. And so what I wrote down is the, the one of the number one ways that agents fail to achieve their goals is that they follow false prophets. And that's kind of predicated on the, the idea that, that Gary always talks about how you get to choose. The beauty of life is that you get to choose your prophets. You get to choose who your wise sages are to model your life after based on who's a prophet with a pH um, in one particular aspect or category of life. And so I think about an agent will fail to achieve their goals if they're consuming content that is not mentally and emotionally and spiritually aligned with their desired goals. Totally. Um, we are like garbage in, garbage out. They talk about that all the time. And the inverse of this is coaching and mentorship. So we oftentimes you'll hear in podcasts and stories, you'll hear people talk about align with a mentor, grab a coach. But the inverse is true. The inverse is making sure you're aligning and you're not aligning with people that are at the detriment or consuming media. For example, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, a lot of people are binging TV, but a lot of times that a lot of that can be, you can consume a book. You can consume, you could be meeting with a mentor and doing the absolute opposite, something that is productive. Absolutely. So I, I think about ways in which, um, people can follow false prophets. And that could be if, um, if you're following, uh, someone who's teaching you how to be a great real estate agent by cold calling and you have a deathly fear and aversion to to pick so, up the phone and cold calling false prophet. That's a false prophet for you. Don't do you, that. You need to find someone who aligns with who you are and what gives you energy uh, and find that profit, right? Is um, if you're uh, watching CNN and Fox news and MSNBC and OAN, you're consuming false prophets. And that's because there, I, I can't imagine that if you, um, I have not ever watched the news and felt inspired, motivated, and energized when when it was. Well, that's over. not why I watch the news, though. Right? I don't watch the news to feel inspired or motivated. <laughs> I, I actually watch the news in order to like stay informed, so then I I I don't fall into like. There's a lot of conspiracy and misinformation, and I feel like if you don't 
if you take your eye off of like something that is trusted, you can get disoriented. There's all this QAnon stuff. Like uh, to me, I feel like you need to stay grounded with the institution. So I kind, but you have it has to be trusted. At the end of the day, it's all about if you want to follow a coach, you want to make sure you follow a coach that is going where you want to go. That is a uh, that is a slippery slope, right? Be, uh, given. Given we are at a uh, all time low historically for uh, media bias and trust, so that is the challenge. You just go to the ones that are non biased, so they have reports on yeah on that yeah, where you can true. say, "Hey, yeah. this is I'm going to stick with some NPR or, or whatever you know, whatever those ones whatever, are, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. The challenge that is that when I think about. Um, goal alignment then then that has to then align with someone's goals right is like yeah. what what is it in your in your personal life or professional life that you hope to gain or attain or um be informed about um that that it aligns with your with your goals because the challenge is that when when we as you said it's garbage in and garbage out right is that i know when i'm not my best self what i i find that when i audit my behavior and activities and habits, I'm oftentimes listening to content that is not um, creating the best thinking model or the best mental and emotional model for me. When you're your best self, what kind of content do you consume? You know, I have to, um, well, and actually we'll, we'll talk about this as probably the, the last and, and arguably most um, common reason why people fail, but I, I have to um, listen to content that is like big exponential thinking. So it's like possibility thinking, not necessarily like probability thinking, because I'm a skeptic. So I can think about all the ways in which something fails. Right. Right. The problem in thinking about every, all the ways in which things fail means that oftentimes you don't take action because everything will fail. Right. And it, yeah. like yeah, literally you, everything will kill you, by the way, yeah. like water will keeps you alive and too much of it will kill you. So <laughs> there's a, there's a dark side to everything. Man, and that's so scary. I have to, as a skeptic, <laughs> think about like X, like possibility thinking big picture, like risk taking type activities. So as not to think small or, um, like spirituality content is typically, um, healthy content for me to consume um, like content about like what choosing happiness, right? Yeah. Is this the, you know, the idea that, that you choose what you're okay with, right? The, the, the concepts that like, uh, that we oftentimes go to our external circumstances to try to make our internal better, right? Is I'm angry. Well, I'm angry because something is not going the way I want it to go. Right. That was my choice. Yeah, right? That's I, selfish. It comes from a selfish place. So once you understand that you're angry and it's all based on selfish, yeah, it's able. you're able to let stuff go. Well, I don't know that I'm able to let it go as easily <laughs> as I wish I was. So that's why I know for my best self, I have to, I have to re-listen to, I have to consume that content regularly in order to, in order to continue to maintain a state of gratitude, in order to continue to maintain a state of compassion and care, that's something that I like Lauren wakes up and that's who she is. Right. I don't wake up and that's who I am. I have to build that habit in order to understand that I'm okay because everything is okay. Everything. Well, and that's why I lean on, I'm, I'm a Christian, even though y'all be hearing me cuss on here, but 
um, that's pretty much what the, that's all the Bible says. And, yeah. and that's what I lean on in my faith. So like when you are out there and this is a really big job, you guys, this is a big thing. Being an entrepreneur is a big thing. At the end of the day, you can know that it's going to be okay. And so that's, to be honest with you, my growth has come from that. Like, the do- the the one thing that I've understand is the less I do, the better I get, and everything is going to be okay. Is the basis of that. The other thing I the other reason why Sorry. I see agents fail mm-hmm. is they don't understand what what a lead is. Gosh, we've talked about this so many times about how the thing that fails our agents more than anything is the industry, right? As we we oftentimes want to place blame on real estate agents for. Um, underperforming from a um, results standpoint. In fact, um, we were listening to something um, earlier. It was talking about that like inputs and outputs are disconnected for real estate agents. Oftentimes those that get disproportionate outputs or outcomes are the ones who have um, a disproportionate input. As in like, I know that I have to put in less time and energy than a brand new agent. And yet I get a higher output for the amount of time that I do invest. Right. Right. And, and so part of the reason why is because I understand what a lead is and what behaviors and activities have to go around um, what a lead is. And so I want to define this a little bit uh, more effectively for people because there is this, Um, mistake that I see agents make over and over and over and over where they fall into the trap of have believing that leads gives them security. And that's because they don't quite, they don't understand what a lead is actually at its core. And I think that we've um, conflated the concept of a lead instead of um, really understanding that they are um, a lead is nothing more than a person who's con who's who has valid contact information. Everyone says they want more leads in our industry. And what I'm, what I'm trying to make people aware of is you don't have a lead problem. Right. You very rarely, that's right. Because we live in a digital distribution (coughs) age where, where contact information is not hard to get. Yeah. I mean, how many conversations do you have going to like on different threads? You've got an Instagram conversation, you got a Facebook messenger conversation, you got a Snapchat conversation, you got text messages, and then you got some people that still phone call. Yeah. It is not hard to have leads. Yeah. Right? It's a conversion problem. 100% a conversion problem, but it starts with thinking that a lead is something else, right? Is the that mis- it is. It's a lead. Like understanding yeah. it is what it is. That's right. It's contact information. That's it. That's it. It could be a Facebook account. It could be a LinkedIn profile like, like Tyler's talking about. That doesn't mean anything, right? That's the very highest top of the funnel. But when uh, you talk to new agents, they say they need more leads. They need more leads. And, and that's, the, that's the mistake is that what you're really saying is I need more people. Well, there are 330 million people in this country. Yeah. I don't think that and you, you need can more. contact them. Facebook That's is right. literally a CRM. That's right. I look at Facebook as a, as a CRM that I can. It's a database. That's that, right. That I can I can mine and I can literally get clients from. And so what people don't understand is that they don't have a lead problem. They have a conversation problem. Right. And it's that they don't have enough conversations to get the outcome, the conversion 
from the conversations. And that's where lead generation comes in and that's where habits Which come is, in. Yeah, and lead generation is nothing more than conversations. So we call it lead generation where yeah. I, I'm literally having 50 conversations every day or yeah. I'm making 50 phone calls or 100 phone calls, whatever, and that's giving me 10 conversations. So when it boils that, we're conflating. Yes. We're conflating lead generation to what it's designed to do, which is to have conversations. That's right. That's right, because our job is not that hard. It's not. When you understand what it is. And, and listen, there's a difference between knowledge and understanding. Very different, by the way. Like, you can know something, but not truly understand something. I know that there's electricity in that outlet. I do not understand electricity. Right. There's a big difference between knowing and understanding. And so, when you understand that our job is about having conversations with people who have the desire and the need to move either today or in the near future, the job is really simple and easy. Yeah. Because then it becomes a matter of having more conversations with people who have the desire and the need to Compounding move. effect. That's right. It is not, and you know what it's, I, you know, I was telling the team last week, I love what I, I love my job. Like one of the other agents was sharing the same thing and, you could just tell that he loves doing what he's doing. And I feel the exact same way where I'm like, this isn't work to me. This is play. Yeah. Like, I don't know where some, I don't know where somehow um, the idea of work was ruined in this country. And I won't be the old man on my rocker about that because someone made work a negative And I think work is a positive to me. Work is play. Work is fun. Work is where I get to go see my friends. When I, when, when I'm leaving in the morning and Hudson is wants to know what I'm doing, I don't tell him that I have to go to work and that I don't want to go to work because that's not true. I want to go play with my friends and help people. Yeah. You, you've got to be this cause it's hard. So like, you've got to love to do, love doing yeah. it. Cause if you don't, you would quit. You're like 90% of people that are out, they quit. And, and I think about how like an athlete, you know, Kobe Bryant loved going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Well, when did, when did Kobe Bryant's job become work? Was it wasn't work when he was 12. Mm-hmm. It wasn't work when he was 18. He was playing. He was it playing. wasn't work when he was 25 except that he just started getting paid. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Nothing changed. The job itself was the exact same that it was when he was 12 and when he was 32. Right. And right? so I, I look at it the exact same way. My job is just I agree. to go to, my job is to go play. And part of, part of the playing is and helping people is having conversations in, as it pertains to what people want in regards to their move. This is the, okay. I'm not going to get political. This is the same thing with like this mask thing, right? Like, it's the same thing. Like, you need to go lead generate. Nobody wants to effing go lead generate. Yeah. But when you have to go lead, like, if you see the benefit of it, so then it's not forced upon you. Like, the thing is, you're not, the, re, the people that lead, the peop, the top producing agents that you've determined out of that, yeah. they don't perceive lead generating as lead generating. What do they perceive it as? Having conversations. Yeah. It's a mindset shift. It it's not because somebody's telling them they have to do it. They want to do it because it gets them to their goal. Does that make sense? It does. And honestly, I would argue that everyone wants to do it, even the ones who don't. The, 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 and I say that because I believe that every, every, to be human is to contribute. 
to be human is to contribute to community and society, period. And the most energizing, sustaining thing that you can do as a person is to contribute, right? Is, is gratitude and giving are the most um, energizing and fulfilling activity that I think anyone can do, like right after growth, probably. So let's say that it's, you know, gratitude, giving, contribution, growth is right after that. Well, the beauty of the beauty of what we do is that when you have conversations with someone in our industry, you're having a conversation with someone who's trying to make their environment better or different. Yeah. And you get to help them do that. And when I'm lead generating, so say I'm making phone calls and I'm calling for buyers or sellers. When, if they buy or sell a home, that's a blessing. That's right. So like I'm literally calling people to bless them. Yeah. So when I'm picking up that phone to lead generate, it's not heavy. No. Because guess what? If I call somebody, they're like, yeah, I've, I've been looking for an agent. I want to blah, 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 blah. And then guess what? I can help you out. We can get you all. So if you look at it from that perspective, that phone or whatever activity, if you go knocking on doors, if you hold, hold open houses, whatever your farming activity is, that's where the, the heft or the lift from that goes away. And yeah. that's the thing that stops people. Yeah. Uh, I try to remind myself of that when I think about um, like a heart surgeon at a children's hospital. Right? You know, I think about the fact that the, for that heart surgeon um, who's performing a heart surgery on a, on a child, let's say a Peyton Manning's children's hospital, that might be just another heart surgery. Yeah. And, you, and that family, and for the family whose child is being operated on, that is not just another heart surgery for them. Right. Right. Is that is the only heart surgery they they care about, the only one they will care about. Right. It is not just another heart surgery. It yeah. is the only one that matters. Yeah. And and so that that physician, that heart surgeon has to under, remember that it's not just another day at work. Yeah, that practitioner has to understand that. And we have to understand that in our business. It's really easy. This is maybe just another house for some of us, but this is someone's biggest investment. And the thing that kills a deal is the lack of empathy, the lack of understanding that from an agent perspective. Absolutely. And, you know, Mike, I I think about the seventh way in which uh, we see agents um, fail to achieve their goals. And it's by um, failing to hack time or at least to use time efficiently to achieve their desired outcome. This could be one of the hardest things to, um, to, to truly um, find the right balance of. And so I think that we always have to use time, which happens to be an incredibly finite and equally distributed um, like scoring system for life. We have to use principles in order to think about making time more efficient and the first two that come to mind when I think about hacking time or making time more efficient is that we have to automate, or delegate, or eliminate. It is running everything through that filter of automate, delegate, or eliminate, and, and really truly understanding um, where are, we're using our time um, and understanding is can we automate it, can we delegate it, or can we eliminate it in order to get closer to our desired outcome. The greatest fallacy that we've, kind of fallen prey to is we're doing this to make more money and in all reality we're doing this to make to we're doing this to buy our time back so at least i am yeah and so um 
And and it's really if you don't understand this principle, this was the hardest thing for me to grasp is multiplying yourself. Guess what? There can be one Michael, two Michael, three Michael, or four Michael. If there's five Michaels, I can get a lot more done than just with one Michael. And so that's the whole a point of multiplying yourself either through people, through automation or through systems and tools. So being able to do that so that you can get more done in the same 24 hours that everybody else has is key. You can then multiply yourself. What would you, what are some things that people should automate or delegate? What are some of the ones that come to mind for schedule their schedule? You should like your schedule, like, like once, like your, okay, let me go pictures. Very for I'm gonna go basic okay. all the way to I'm yeah, gonna go to it. all the way to my I'm a very you should not be going out taking pictures with your cell phone. Yeah. Would you agree with that? One hundred percent. That's delegation one oh one. Yeah. That people say, Well, I don't wanna spend money on, you know, hundred bucks on getting my pictures taken. Well, A, you're gonna get better quality pictures. The objective is to get ten people in your house. If I get ten people in the house, I get an offer. If I see your finger in the picture, guess what? That's not presenting. You're doing a disservice to your client and you're buying your time back. If you're running around an hour, you know, taking pictures, that would be the first thing. What would you say? I just wanted to say, Tyler, that um, inflation um, has set in and it's not a hundred dollars anymore for photos. I was right? say, you just triggered a, b- a whole generation of real that was, it was, it, <laughs> I was like, I was like to, damn dude I, I wish it was still a hundred bucks man no, I just kidding. threw out a I remember yeah. when it used to be seventy five dollars for yeah. professional photos man. I'm sure they're still out those there. were the I good just, I, I can tell you we haven't found them up yeah. that way <laughs> um <laughs> one of the things I was just coaching an agent on last week was closings you know we thought about it at one point in time and it was it was almost 500 hours of time a year spent in closing that we could likely get back probably 80% of. And it was such a simple change that made little to note. It didn't actually change the outcome for anyone else other than me. Yeah. Everyone else got the exact same product and the exact same experience, arguably better. And I got about 400 hours of my life back. And the, the one change we made was having closings only at our office with one closer only, right? It was like, yeah, I was really so simple. And how much did that impact your life? Oh my God. 10 weeks worth of full-time work. Apparently. Right. It sounds gets, so simple. Yeah. So and we don't think about that. So just think if I sold three houses to four houses, uh, probably three houses a week, let's say, and I got 10 weeks back, I got 30 additional people I could help all because of making one tiny change, which was where we held closing and who we held it with. Right is that we have one closer who takes fifteen minutes. We don't, this, the other party doesn't need to be there. Yeah, right. This is this is not a like family share plan at, like buffet where the buyer. Yeah, and you seller, don't have to be. That's a relic. Yeah, that's an old that's tradition. Right. That's that, right. And COVID proved that you could close in your car. You could close remotely. You could close from your home if you want <laughs> to. And why would we ever add back in inefficiencies that we did away with? when we had to actually innovate out yeah. of necessity. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when I looked at, I drive 30 to 40 minutes, let's say to get to a closing. And then we sit there for an hour ish, mm-hmm. maybe more. Mm-hmm. It was at least two hours minimum for every closing, which means a quarter of my day is gone immediately. Right. Well, there was zero reason. 
the closer has to drive, the buyer has to drive, the seller they has to well drive. They may as well drive to you. And might as well drive just... to where I am. That's right. <laughs> right. And so when we implemented that, we saved uh, a lot of work. You know, and I think about um, how you can utilize your calendar, even your schedule, to to give you more time back. You know, I structure my day like in vertical time blocks. Like somehow I was looking at my coaching calendar this week and and I had so I had a lot of white space in my calendar this week, but it wasn't strategic white space. Right. It was like, oh, you've got thirty minutes between one Zoom meeting and the next meeting that you've got to be in or the next right. class you've got to teach. That doesn't give me strategic space. So I try to cram um everything that is i try to batch so right like on wednesday i should try to get all of my coaching calls in on wednesday right instead so you can of, just focus so on i can be have where, to like that's right it. yeah yeah i i totally i totally get that i'm sorry I feel like no I no it, no it's perfect that's exactly what that's that's the hack is that you are then able just to stay in coach mode all day yeah right or or why not batch listing appointments right why not say okay well these are the time blocks and the days that i take listing appointments yeah, because then you automatically know with with predictable um, scheduling when you are available for a listing appointment. Another yeah. thing is being really being really organized. So um, a calendar, your calendar hack. So I keep list, and then my list feeds into my calendar, which I know a lot of people do. Um, but by being organized in that way, I'm able to like I'm able to like you're batching everything. In those white spaces, I have a, that task list. I'm literally, like if I have an extra 15 minutes or an extra 30 minutes, I'm going through my task list and I'm banging out task lists. So even if I have white space in my calendar, I'm always constantly working on, you know, next actions, uh, tasks, and things that I have to do that I haven't been able to delegate. And one thing that uh, is, this is the interesting thing that I'm working on automating right now. Uh, and I and I think it's going to be a game changer for our agents um, when we implement it, which is automating conversations. Yeah, you know it is. It is my belief that um, since watching Google release their duplex demo three years ago, where they showed that machine learning was able to have a conversation with a person and understand nuance and language and dialect and inflection. And when they had an objective and that objective didn't go according to the conversation, the Google duplex was able to adapt and have a um, conversation that aligned with what the, the new circumstances were. I believe that there was a way then that we could also do the same because we would have no choice. Yeah, like scripts. In, or like scripts to a to own crack, just yeah. to another level. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like to me, that was one of the most fascinating, mind blowing videos that no one seems to give as much attention and credit to as I do. Like I show it to people all the time, and they don't get nearly as excited as I do by it. But watch Cinder Pachai talks about he shares their Google Duplex. Um, I believe it was like uh, almost three years ago now, but. He shares with an audience what the Google Duplex is, and Google Duplex gets a haircut scheduled, and um, and then you know tries to make reservations at a uh, at an Asian restaurant. Has some challenges with the dialect and understanding um, the the lady who answers at the Asian restaurant, and like pivots the conversation to eventually um, not needing a reservation at all, and they're able to like the computer 
Google is able to have a conversation with the restaurant and understand the nuance of wow. the difference between four people reservation and a five person wow. reservation at 5 p.m. on a Wednesday versus 5 p.m. on a Saturday. Like when all that's happening with machine learning three years ago, it was my belief that that's where things were going anyway. Yeah. And that if Google could create machine learning to have conversation, that there was no reason why um, as agents we shouldn't be thinking along those lines. So um, so the thing that I'm working on right now is, is automating conversations because I think it will be a game changer for our agents um, as we as we roll it out next year is like artificial intelligence our crm has artificial intelligence yeah. where it's going through having conversation like i'll get an appointment set by uh my my crm it'll yeah. literally send out a text message have a conversation with them and then set the appointment on my calendar yeah yeah so i think that um when we look at think when we look at ways to um get time back you know i think that there's there's labor there's capital there's code Right. So how are we how are we going to use either capital or code to get our time back when we when we think about time hacking for agents achieving their goals? So can I uh, I want to hit this a little bit? Yeah, more. like I think because I want to go down. I want to go like to where I was as like like a new agent, like your job is your CEO and your job is to fire yourself up. So it, like, OK, there's certain things that I'm gifted at. As a, as a per like as my person, like there's certain things I'm good at. There's certain things. If you want me to work on something, don't you don't want me to work on it? It's gonna fall apart. But if you, <laughs> but like that is the the job is to fire yourself along the way. And so if you have clarity around that, then you that's how you build a team. And you're hiring people along the way that are talent. So a doctor, like I said, doesn't you know clean the toilet, doesn't schedule the appointments. Their job is to delegate that to a staff. And if you can start putting in systems and models and eliminating, like you were just saying, there's certain things that we do that we don't have to do. Yeah. And so once you get clear in where you're spending your time, you can then start taking an audit and you can start then saying, okay, I need to spend time here. I don't need to spend time here. Or one thing, okay, when I took the team lead position, yeah. I was lead generating, making phone calls every day for three hours a day. I hired an ISA in the Philippines and I delegated that off. So then I have three hours of my day. So you have to be able to, there's a lot of times in your business where you have to find hacks like that and to multiply yourself. So now I'm making the same, I'm making more phone calls because now I have somebody doing it full time, setting 30 appointments where I was setting, you know, 10. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get, uh, you're getting, you're using capital to multiply labor in that particular instance. Um, and, and I think if we, you can, if we can use code, that's the, that's the best way to do it. Right. Is that, if, if it can be taught to the general public, it can be written in code is, is kind of the approach that I'm taking to things now is, is to think more from a scalability, sustainability. You're, ta- you're going, you're playing chess, man. You're well, talking like. Yeah, and that's just because my thought with it is, is that, you know, um, I'm in uh, GoBundance and uh, one of the guys that's in my GoBundance group um, in my GoPod uh, runs a um, golf cart distributorship and uh and I'm jealous when we have conversations because he's running an online dropship company, right? Like the variables and challenges that show up in his business are drastically different than what shows up in a service-based business. 
And, uh, and a large reason why their challenges are different is because their challenges are code-based. And code shows up and does the same thing over and over and over. Code understands compounding yeah. in a way that people do not. Service does not. <laughs> that's right. right. And that's the that's difference. Right. Yep. And yet, oftentimes, you can still have service and utilize code, right? Is that Amazon, when they deployed their one-click buy, which I happened to use this morning, uh, I had, I mean, I had items in my cart that I didn't want to purchase. I do this all the time. I add things to my cart because I like am interested in them. Right. And then I probably don't buy them. Right. I usually lead, like that desire to buy something wanes after a few days and I trash them out of the cart. But I had put something in there last night that I likely wasn't going to buy. But in the moment I thought about it. This morning, I had something I actually did need to buy, printer ink. Did, couldn't wait on that, right? And so I clicked the one, buy it now button. If that bypassed the items that were in my cart, I didn't have to take the time to trash the four items that were in my cart, remember them, add them to a list, I'll go through six extra steps to do it. They use code to give me a better service experience by having to buy it now button instead. Right. Right. And so I think about how do we cre create better service by implementing better code? And that's where I'm focused on how do we create conversations that, that happen with people that we know yeah, and with people that we don't know. Yeah. My brother does that with his uh, roofing company. He's got a, it's, he's automated all the emails that go out from when you set a job, when you get a lead, you, there's an automated email that goes out that's here's what's next. And then after that, um, he runs the appointment and then there's another email that goes out and then he'll finish a repair or something. Once he marks that job as completed, there's another email that goes out two weeks later. that says, just making sure your repairs good. And, uh, can you review us on Google if it's yeah. still good? If not, let us fix it. So, and then a lot of times those emails will come back with, looks great, thanks. I just wrote the review. Or it's, oh yeah, do you also do this? And so it's another opportunity. So, and that's all automated. He yep. doesn't do, he doesn't block out time to, so, right, I need to send out all these, but it's a better use of time just by simply saying, hey, is this, so what's the alternative? You either A, don't do it, yeah. or B, mm -hmm. you do it and you burn out because yeah. you're typing out emails all the time. Yeah. So by that's a clear advantage to automating your business. That's right. You see what I'm saying? But how many times do we do our business and we just do it because that's the way we've done that's it? That's right. And, and then some people will make <laughs> the mistake and try to delegate it. Yeah. Right? It's that and it doesn't need to be done. It could be no, eliminated. That's right. It can, that's right. It could either be automated <laughs> or eliminated entirely. Yeah, right? right. You know, I was talking to one of our, I was coaching one of our, one of our CEOs the other day and he was telling me that he was printing out his closing package and he was like, you know, it's like 80 pages and he's like, you know, we have three closings and it's taking all this time to sit and like print, you know, four copies of each. Why? And I was like, yeah. Print, what? Yeah. Why? Print printing. Yeah. What this, is it? Like, such an inconvenience. <laughs> and so, That's so primitive. It is. That's so 20, 2010. Is. You know, I felt the same way about a receptionist. You know, you might remember. Um, I remember. Mike, I, I, I still can't figure out why it is that, that um, there would be someone who greets you when you show up at an office when every store you go into has gone to automation or elimination. Right? Like, why are we hanging on to those antiques? 
because we did them at one point in the past. There, like necessity is the mother of all innovation, right? And so why um, that, that's one of the things where I think agents have the ability to, th- to think differently in order to get a large portion of their time back to go serve people more effectively. And that leads us to the last reason why we see um, people fail to achieve their goals when they set a plan, and that's they don't take action. They don't do shit. That's <laughs> the number one. Like, I'm about to, I'm going to, I was thinking of, and they don't do shit. That's the number one reason. And, and why do you... Other than planning. What, what's the what's the <laughs> most common um, culprit of that or the most common cause of that? Um, to be honest with you, everything that we discussed, talked about today is all intertwined. And so when you lack clarity... You don't take action. Yeah. So everything that we like, everything that we've given you guys are all mistakes that we've all made. And so that to me is the number one thing. If you lack clarity, if you don't know what you're going to do, you're going to like you're you're kind of frozen and you don't take action. Yeah, it's it's uh, and clarity can be, you know, multifaceted in this particular instance, I think. Clarity could be is you don't know what to do. That's, yeah. Right? right? That you know what to do, but you don't know how to do it. And or you're following that, a false prophet. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, knowing what to do but not knowing what to do it is oftentimes the difference between knowledge and understanding. Yeah. Right? And, and um, unfortunately, you can take driver's ed and be fully equipped to get a license and drive a vehicle. You know how to drive a car by the time you get out of driver's ed. Yeah. You don't know anything about driving a car when you get out of driver's ed, despite the fact that you know how to drive a car. Absolutely. And that's the biggest difference between why people take action or inaction is, is that the difference between knowing how to do it and fully understanding and internalizing by having the experience doing it. Unfortunately, though, you can't get from knowing how to drive a car from driver's ed to actually driving a car without the action experience. And taking yet action. Ev- most everyone wants to, to get to driving the car without having to take the risky action that you get st- stuck in that. They get paralyzed in the planning or they get paralyzed and they never take action. That's right. So you're absolutely right. You can drive a car and that's the same thing about real estate. People know what a real estate agent is, but they don't know what the job right. is until you start driving the car. And they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is totally different than what I thought it was. You know, and, and that stems, of course, typically from fear, right? The difference between walking out of driver's ed um, and being able to drive and getting behind the wheel and driving away, um, those that do are not afraid to get behind the wheel. Those that do not are letting fear get in the way. Yeah, and so I, I think oftentimes that um, the reason why we avoid or resist taking action is because we're afraid of something. Yeah. Right. Is that, that there's typically, you know, we were saying before we went on and we were discussing it is like totally. my make believe pseudoscience psychology tells me that trauma in the past is oftentimes the, the cause of future based fear is that we, because we failed at something before and or um, we failed and were not enough, either in someone else's eyes or our own eyes, mm-hmm. we resist feeling that way again. So we do nothing 
instead of taking action and failing so that we can avoid that pain. Yeah. And as you know, as an entrepreneur, failing is a part of being an entrepreneur. So like if you're not failing, you're not really. So then how would you. So let's say that it's not sufficient to tell people, you know, like I. Uh, like obviously we we have toddlers right you can't tell a toddler to not be scared you can't tell a toddler to not be afraid because that doesn't work right right is that hudson's convinced that there are monsters right so it doesn't matter that we have the conversation that that there aren't like i look under the bed okay so if my if my daughter or any of my kids are upset and they like look i'm there's no monster here i demonstrate it i'm a mentor I, if there's a, if she's afraid of a spider and there's a big tarantula, I let it get on my hand to show that it's not going to hurt me. So then she can, if she wants to hold the little bunny or whatever, then she now can trust it. And that's a part of it. Like making sure you get with demonstrate. Yeah. Yeah. Get with people that are going to help guide you through that. It's all about birds of a feather. If you hang out with five millionaires, you'll be the sixth. I'm hanging out with you because I'm picking up what you're putting down. (laughs) That's it. Right. So that's what that, that is about. And so like, if you, and then that it's all about confidence. Fear makes you scared. Yep. If you lack fear, you gain confidence. And if you're confident, you're, you're going to be able to, to persevere and, and, and go through this. And so uh, I think what I heard you say is you demonstrate that, um, that it's okay yeah, and that it's safe. It's also a good reminder as leaders that that's a, that's a requirement that we have to model all the time is that we have to provide that safe space for people to go take action and fail without repercussion. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's one of the hardest things and as, as leaders is that you have to give people the space to fail without the uh, judgment and without the fear of retribution incredibly challenging because it's impossible to do uh, to be successful in our industry without going through the failure phase. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where you learn getting your teeth kicked in. You learn not to do that again. So then it becomes a matter (laughs) of how long are you willing then as a leader to allow someone to fail before you finally decide that you've watched them fail for too long whole totally different episode and conversation. There you However, go. it's one of the things that prevents people from taking action is their fear. And, and yet, unfortunately, um, you we all have to go through the action, the activity and take the action to get past that, to get the experience. It's experience. Totally. Yeah.